This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Well, 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 my let's keep it real people. When I asked you what you wanted, you said, Sandy, we want to talk to some people that are willing to open up about how they overcame some childhood trauma. Now, I thought there can't be many of those people, are there? (laughs) Tons, tons. But before I bring her on, Susan Gold came to mind. Let me just tell you a little bit about Susan Gold. And I love this opening. Susan Gold is magical. Navigating a ferociously, did I say that right? Ferociously challenging upbringing while bravely moving forward as an adult to face ingrained, outdated, and patriarchal program head on. This should be interesting. Susan now shares a unique perspective in viewing life challenges as occasions for transformation. So agree. Through her book, Toxic Family, but she really wanted it named Magical Illumination. Yeah, you didn't know I knew that. I did a little sneaking. Transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom, Susan turns the standard paradigm on its head, courageously leading others through her own journey of abuse, addiction, and surviving narcissism, all while creating a distinctly empowering personal and professional life. Yay, Susan. Thanks for coming on the show. Sandy, it's a privilege. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's get into it. Your one word that best describes your past 30 days, what would it be, whatever pops into your head, and then why? Mm, Transformative, because it's been so up and down, these frequencies that are lifting and the vibration that's raising really is, you know, having my head spinning, I'm perplexed. Please tell us more. Now, is it because of the outside energy and what's going on in your life? Because I know it all plays a part. Yeah, my life is pretty tranquil in comparison with what it's been. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty steady Eddie there. I think it's more what's happening, you know, on the solar activity, the coronal mass ejections that are being scientifically um documented and tracked and Mm. it's really causing my head to spin yeah I feel a little ungrounded and like the earth is shifting and I'm not even in LA anymore (laughs) (laughs) say that's a whole other story I have friends that got out of Dodge too they they're now I go wait a minute what did you move to Utah they're like six months ago and they were out in the Oakland area they go yeah we had to get out all right. I know nothing about that. So can you tell me a little bit more? Cause you said there was scientific proof and I don't, that is a subject I've know very little about. Yeah. The sun is getting very active and it's, it's sending out solar energy and coronal mass ejection is what it's called. And you can track it with national weather service, um, um, websites. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not totally into it either, but I do like science behind my (laughs) who. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's like, okay. Now you got proof. 
Yeah, totally. I think it's my dad because he is a genius astrophysicist. So yeah, I think that's where that came from. Is your dad still here on earth? Oh, he is. He, he lives not far from you. He's in central Pennsylvania, the little teeny town that I grew up. Yeah. Oh, okay then. So he is a brainiac, man. Oh, he's a complete academic, but he's more like, you know, the Mr. Chips thing. He always rode around on a bicycle and was causing trouble coaching the tennis team and chasing after most everything that moved in a skirt. Let's just call a spade a spade. All right. Well, I'm going to jump ahead and then we're going to go back because I did listen to one of your interviews where you were talking about your book. And I understand this all too well. The name you wanted and the name you got which makes sense. Didn't you really want it to be magical illumination? I did. And I do love that. You know that you do do your homework and I don't know how you do after recording so many podcast episodes and you keep them all so fresh. I loved, yeah, I loved Robert, the corporate spy and the boy that's the boxer. I just, I was riveted, but um, yeah, magical illumination is what it feels like like it is to me now in hindsight and with tons of work under my belt. Mm. I do feel like I see my upbringing and my life trajectory with brand new eyes. I am so lucky that I was popped into that family that I was popped into. I was the middle child of five kids. Yeah. With two pseudo adults at the helm doing the best they could, but that experience led me to soul evolution and to experience a freedom now that I never knew was possible. So one of the questions I had for you from my peeps, and I think it's a good one, is there were a few of them that have been writing memoirs and want to write a book about their family and their upbringing because they believe it could help others. Some of them I know they're already speaking about it. They want to know because they're a little gun shy about the family's reaction, seeing some of their friends' family's reaction. And they wanna know, how did you manage that? Did you care what your family think? I mean, there's so many questions about how did your family react once your book was out? My sister's proud of me. And so is my oldest brother that I had the most um, physical abuse with. And I've even gotten messages from from intuitives and a few psychics that my own mother, who's not with us on this plane anymore, is like cheering from the heavens. Um, And I've also been told I have two more books to write, which I'm not so enthusiastic about, but (laughs) but I'm willing if it makes a difference. So your sister, your older brother, who you were abused by, you said. He was happy about the book too. It, it's painful. It's a huge revelation for him. He, Sandy, has almost no memory of um, his childhood. It's excruciatingly sad to me. It's His childhood is almost completely blacked out. Hmm. So he read the book and he was mortified. He, his words to me were, oh my gosh, I was not a good brother to you. And all, yeah, crushing. And all I could say was, 
I love you. You were in horrific pain. Your childhood is a blackout. You did the best you could. And there is no shame and there is no guilt here. And I authentically love my brother. I confronted him. Yeah. Yeah, I confronted him early on in my 20s. I did intense work. I was in a group for two years working on the abuse between my brother and myself and confronted him. And his re- response was, well, that didn't happen. But yeah. but if it did happen, here's why it happened. Yeah. And he's carrying gobs and gobs of guilt and shame that do not belong in his bag that I'm praying, you know, he can drop. And honestly, this book may be the spark to ignite that process. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think from the people that asked all the questions about it, there's more good that'll come out of it. Yes, there are going to be family members, maybe that would be upset. But like you said, I want everybody to really home in on what Susan is saying here. She is not doing it from a place where she is feeling hate and anger. Yeah. I mean, where you described your brother, there was no guilt. There's no blame. This is just what happened. And it looks like you are in forgiveness. It's been a long road, but yes, I am in true forgiveness. And I'm even at the point where I see the experience as a gift, which if you would have said this, you know, a long time ago to me, I would have said fluff you. You know, <laughs> I was Wait, more. I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that. Go ahead. I like Danny. We. It's a great T-shirt. I want to start a T-shirt. Fluff you. So we we change that word around a little bit. Yeah, I like it. Okay, wait, how long ago would you have said fluff you? I want to back up there a second. Oh, dec- decades ago when I was first going through. I mean, okay. I realized in my trauma, uh, in my early 20s, I realized. Yeah, there were red flags coming up in my own life and that echoed the family that I grew up in. And I saw the red flags and I got help and I walked through the red flags, which were, you know, addiction, alcoholism, food, um, clinical depression, and then ultimately narcissistic abuse. Yeah, we're going to hit that. So I want to go back again because I did get hammered with these questions in some of the people who are writing the books, but not quite yet ready to put it out there, but doing speaking engagements because their parents and family aren't in the audience, which is cool. I get it. Mm-hmm. And that can be a first step. There are a couple of them. And thank you for your honesty for those who are watching and listening who said, logically, they get it. They've done the work. But if they really were sitting down and no one else was listening, they would say they still have anger and or resentment. And how do you overcome that? Logically, they know family did the best they could. Even some of them said, I'm sure I even picked my family to work on something or for self-growth of who I am today. But when I start writing, a lot of them write in their journals, they're like, who fluff that? <laughs> I'm like, I 
think I'm still really angry or have a lot of resentment. So how did you overcome all that? Well, I'm a human being. So there's obviously going to be a piece of that still in me, but it's not the gigantic piece. You know, I don't, I don't seek out my family on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, but when I do see them and I do speak with them, I'm coming from an authentic place and a feeling of love. I mean, we survived this together and I too have respect for the roles they played in my movie. I like that. But you also said like you did a lot of work. Like you realized, okay, this is not good. This is not your normal family. (laughs) I'm going to seek help. Did the other four children in the family do the same? Because you said you Um, want to- That's a good question. I really feel we all have a different experience growing up in that family system. So I'm not sure yeah. if any of them have. How about dad? You said he's still with us. How does he feel about all this? I think he's in utter and complete denial. I think that it comes across and we've had conversation where I can sense he's looking for some kind of forgiveness. Okay. And I, I give it to him in in heaps and gobs because it is the truth i mean he was a hurt and abused kid raising hurt and abused kids and his parents were hurt and abused it goes back in the lineage is that his fault Uh huh did he do the best he could i think he did yeah yeah i agree all right I need to go. I just have to because my family will be so mad at me if I don't. I need to jump to you being in New York, working at the talent agency. And we need to talk about Phineas and Ferb. Oh, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, I thought you were going for the Barbara Walters story. No, I mean, we were big fans. I'll go back to that. And I need to talk about Andy Warhol and the Pontiac. But tell us a little, we'll talk about the ICM Italian agency, but the thing that stood out like Phineas and Ferb, we loved Phineas and Ferb. I couldn't believe I got like A-listers to be interviewed by cartoon characters. I was like, geez, how am I going to sell this? I was, I was out in LA and I had been invited to um, bring talent to the table for Disney. They were creating shorts with Phineas and Ferb. So they looked like talk show hosts. Yeah. And I thought, okay, are they going to interview other cartoon characters? No, we want Ben Stiller. We want Jack Black. We want Taylor Swift. We want David Beckham. I was like, blow it out. You're, oh, seriously? Like, how am I going to convince them to do this? So yeah, Jack Black, I think was the first one to come to the table because he had kids who loved Phineas and Ferb. So yeah, that was that was the key there. And Taylor Swift was really gracious about it. Um, but it turned into this whole big thing and it went global, those little shorts. They're still around. You can probably Google them and yeah. up they come. But it was, it was really so much fun to be involved with that. And uh, my son, I think he was probably... He was probably 10 then. He's 19 now. And it was it was fun for him to be a part of that too. All right. So you said you were in LA, but didn't you start in New York City with it? 
I, I started in New York City, but not with Disney. So okay. I was I was in Greenwich Village at 19 doing an, an arts management internship below 14th Street. And I wanted to get up above 14th Street to uh, one of those glitzy high rises. You know how it goes, you know. Yeah. And I wanted to work out at New York Health and Racket Club. So I got the job. I didn't know anybody. I just kept asking questions and got an interview and I got a job and then I had to make money on the side. And one of the things I did in my family home to sort of visualize my departure was to watch Barbara Walters on my beanbag in my basement on my belly. And yeah. And I said, I'm going to go to New York city and I'm going to be like Barbara Walters. And Obviously, I did go to New York City, but I wasn't like Barbara Walters. She became my exercise client. I did private training on the side to make some money. And one morning, I rang her doorbell at 7 a.m. to train her. And she said, Susan, get in here. What is going on with you? And oh, my gosh, Sandy, she would have loved you. She was like such a girl's girl. And she got it out of me in like two minutes. I know why she was a good interviewer. Um, that I'd been sexually harassed in the workplace the day before. And I was- And she knew that? Yeah, she could pick it right up. Just, she was an energy reader. She was so clear, like way before it was chic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love her. All right. She volunteered to come to work with me that day to confront my boss together. Okay, so what happened? What happened? Tell us more. I said, nah. It's okay. I got it. And I did confront my boss. He promptly fired me and I had two and a half months of cash in the bank. And I decided to create my own talent brokerage firm, matching celebrities to brands. And my first deal was to get Andy Warhol to do a Pontiac commercial. He didn't want to do. (laughs) Of course. That's huge. All right. But let's talk about the fact that you grew up in rural Pennsylvania go to New York and meet all these who's who, who were phenomenal. I mean, that's huge. It's not like you were connected already from your family. You just moved there at 19 and hit the ground running. That's massive. That takes a lot. You have the same quality. I mean, come on. You were like stellar. I, I think it's from our, our dance degrees, that dance background, giving us that focus and that drive. Yeah. I know I'm going to bring it I up. I don't know if that's it. It's called like, yeah, what are you going to take from me? Yeah. What What are you going to say no to me? Okie dokie. I, I think for me, and I mean this sincerely, I've always met amazing people in my life. I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but I didn't think they were that amazing. Like meaning like, Okay, you're so-and-so. Cool. But I wasn't impressed by that. I was more impressed with the kind of human being they were. I could be just as impressed with a guy, you know, who's parking my car, which I am. So I didn't have that. And when you don't have that, you'll ask for anything, right? Because you're not like, oh, my God, it's this person, right? And yeah. You see what I mean? And you, you said you were, were you training? You, you slipped that in training Barbara Walters at the time. Okay. So when you train people, which is how I got in, you get to know people in a different way and they open up to you in different ways and it, that they normally wouldn't to other people. 
And if they like you, they'll do anything for you. I mean, that's what I found. Yeah, I think I think it's true. I mean, for me, one of my skill sets in surviving um, my upbringing was I was highly empathic, so I could feel the energy and where someone was and what was happening. I was also very intuitive, and I was telepathic until it wasn't safe anymore. These things would just spout out of my mouth because I could read what the person was thinking. And that served me. Yeah, that served me in business to a T. Okay. So I got the first two things, but you said you were telepathic until it didn't serve you anymore. Mm -hmm. But aren't you still telepathic? I mean, I don't, or. I am. I can, I I turn it on and I turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, deeply. And Mm. it took me a while to realize that's what I was doing. I think, you know, when my mom passed, I was carrying on the same kind of dialogue that I did when she was present. She was on the other side of the country, but I would talk back and forth with her, especially after I had my own son. And I, I didn't realize that I was doing that, you know, and I would, uh, she would call me or, you know, I would call her and, and I'd tell her something that had just transpired. And she's like, how did you know I was thinking about that yesterday? <laughs> so do you think everyone has those skills and they just need, or you have to have a desire to develop them? You have them in spades and it's why you are where you are. And I, I think most of your listeners have the same qualities. I do. I think it's part of our human gift that's been suppressed within our systematic programming. Hmm. I think you're so right. <laughs> it used to wait. So you're, I'm sure your son, my son, by the way, just turned 20. And since he was little, he would scare me. He'd be like, mom, so-and-so came in the house. Now you need to talk to her about this because she's going to seem all happy and smiley, but this is going on. I'm like, Yo, kid, you're two. Stop it. So true. It's so true. My son do come in with it more than others. You know, we all have our blessings and our unique gifts. You can tap in and tune into it, but that was freaking me out. I don't know about your son, but yeah, same thing. Same thing, mom. You know, I I can I can feel it and I can see it and I can sense it just like you do. And I was like, ooh. And he was five. I was like, yeah, yeah. Stop that. Don't do that anymore. It was like, no, but it's good. All right. So you're in New York. You start your own agency. And then I want to, I'm not sure where it connects, but you said something about your guru. And was that your husband in California who then became your ex-husband, who was the narcissist? Like, take me through that. Like, when did you meet him? And was that in California or New York? And when did that happen? Yeah, see, you're picking it up. He did live in New York. We lived in New York at the same time, but didn't know each other in New York. I was invited to LA for what I thought was an amazing job opportunity. And it was, but it was also to meet him. Yeah, and he was one of my biggest teachers ever. He was right out of a golden age of Hollywood movie. Uh He said all the right things. He, yeah, it just... I was like, oh my gosh, I met Nirvana. I met my match. And 
we lived together for quite a while before he decided that, yeah, having a child would be really important. And we decided to get married and I was becoming more and more drained. I was becoming more isolated. It's so Hmm. predictable. It's usually very strong women, but I was codependent since second grade and Billy Fritz on the playground. I had to have boy attention to feel good. And my friends would say, you're so accomplished. You know, you're so strong. And I didn't feel it like inside. I just felt terrified. So fast forward, we bought the house. Our son is, you know, six. I'm feeling even more drained. I'm working two jobs, not one to keep it going. In LA. In LA. Mm -hmm. And finally, I'm like, there's an expiration date on this marriage and I want to pull it together. And so I got the idea of a post-nuptial agreement to make them more accountable fiscally. We got to the last point through mediation and his eyes went into those cold reptilian slits. And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And that intuitive voice came in so strong, Sandy, saying, this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It made my heart pound. So how long did the divorce take? It was one year of excruciating pain. He would not leave the master bedroom. So I, by choice, took a mattress into the partial conversion in the garage And I created a monastery. I held no contact for one year in that I won't call it a home anymore. I'll call it a domicile. I was really grateful. I was a longtime meditator and no contact meant not just verbal for me, but no eye contact. Everything was in writing Mm. and everything I learned as an endurance athlete, all the focus, all the tenacity, all the steeliness. And I just kept the mantra up of this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. You will be okay. Mm. One foot in front of the other. It felt so unjust. I did a lot of somatic work. So going into my body, I like you, I relate through the body, right? So I, I went into the trauma pockets and released them, explored them, released them, replaced them. And I was a different person. But the last two months were really rough. And that clinical depression, I could feel start to ebb up in me. So I assigned one friend for every day of the week. And I would call the friend assigned to the day to check in. And if I was feeling suicidal, I would commit to calling the next friend on the list and talk it through. And that got me to the tail end of the experience. And I was able to write him his six figure check and he could move on to his next source of supply. And now you're probably wondering why the fluff is this her greatest guru. And I have respect for him. I I don't communicate with him, but I have respect because he gave me wholeness. He gave me that feeling inside that I'm enough, that Mm -hmm. I can take care of myself that I am powerful and that I do have beauty inside and out. He taught me self-love. Okay. I want to hug you for saying that. And so backing up, 
when you're talking about your family and this man, you're, you're looking at it and you're taking it in as self-growth that without that, you would not be who you are. So that's where this guru is coming in where somebody else is looking at it like what the fluff and f the guys of blah 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 blah. you're saying he's a guru because without that you would not be as powerful and strong and who you are and whole as who you are so you get it completely and just to put it graphically i would have been eating rat poison expecting him to drop if I allowed myself gotcha. to stay in victim mode. Okay. Can you say that one more time? Cause I'm trying to get that point. You would have been eating rat poison. Expecting him to drop dead. Oh, snap. I got it now. Yep. Yep. Ooh. Okay. So how was your son during all this? Did you say? Uh, he- yeah, it was excruciatingly painful because he obviously was in the home when this was yeah. happening. Yeah. And um, I did my best to be a rock, to keep the same routines going. And every Saturday, that would be our day together. And I found things that I didn't even know knew existed in Southern California. I mean, we went to wildlife retreat centers. We went to lazy rivers in the middle of the desert. That we went to all climbing gyms and yeah, yeah. You know, all sorts of of things. And he actually, and we watched the sunrise. And he said he has really oh. fond memories of those days, and that that oh. helped the circumstance. So, isn't that awesome? Good for you, mom. So does he still have a relationship with the father? Like, how does he view the whole thing? Yeah, it's been, it's been a painful process. Um, But he's, he does have a relationship with his father and, and they are able to communicate. I think music is what really binds the two of them. Yeah. And I was, I was grateful that, my ex married fairly quickly and the woman was a saint. She, she loves my son, loved him, treated him with respect and was very gracious to his friends. So good for you. Good for you. All right. Let's go into the meditation. Cause you mentioned that you'd been meditating for a while and I got some questions about that because my people, some of them meditate, some of them don't. Some of them think they can't meditate. Some of them think it's, you know, why I don't have time. So talk to us about your process of meditation. Yeah, initially it was really rigid. Like I went after it, like an NC2A athlete. And I was so strict. It was insane. I had to sit on the cushion in a certain position and, you know, I couldn't deviate and I had to sit for a certain amount of time. Well, yeah, that served me maybe to get a base, but I I don't think that's meditation anymore. I think that's being cruel to yourself. So if I feel like meditating, I'll, you know, and sit on the cushion, I'll sit. But otherwise it comes like just watching like the wind blow through the prairie grass or leaves. It can come from butterflies. It can come from something you've said to me 
and it resonates and I can feel it in my heart. So meditation is much different for me than it was. And I think that maybe we need to take a gentler look once again. So then what is your definition of meditation? Finding tranquility and breath and expansion within a moment. Ah, which is a lot different than sitting in silence and oming for 45 minutes on a pillow with candles. And having, yeah, and having your hips crack off. (laughs) Which there's nothing wrong with it. If you're someone that wakes up every morning, I get it. And you do that and it brings you peace and tranquility, kumbaya, but it's not the only way. I remember years ago, so I'm not built for yoga. I have like hip dysplasia. So my hips are tilted way far forward. So they would always tell me, well, you're not open with your mother or your hips will go out. And I'd be thinking, and I thought I dealt with all that. Come over and try. And then you, not until I was in my 40s, they're like, you know, the, this orthopodcast, you you have hip dysplasia. Your hips are tilted way far forward. They'll, they'll never get turned out. I go, I knew it wasn't because I wasn't one with the universe, but I love the meditation part of it. You know what I mean? I didn't like, I know if you took me to yoga class, 98% of the poses I would have to modify. So. I would laugh and get kicked out, but I'd like the meditation. And then I'd say to him, well, why can't I meditate when I take a hike? That's what I connect. So I talk to the trees, me and the universe got, I got it going on. And everybody like, no, that's a form of it, but you really need to be seated. And I'd be, but why are you sure that doesn't make sense? Years later, you find out, okay. I may have been on to something. I think so. Yeah. I remember asking an early meditation teacher, you know, it was all about the body, right? The body. And I said, well, that's great. But I also feel a lot like out here, meaning my ethereal, you know, etheric body and, and aura. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It was the last time I went to a sit with him. (laughs) You're like, you will. So can you see colors? No, I can't see colors. I hear things. I sense things. Yeah. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to grab lunch with me because we'd swing in the booth and if something's going to come out, it's just <laughs> blood out. Um, yeah, you got to be aware. That actually me, sounds fun. That <laughs> sounds fun. I'm up for anything, Susan. I'm up for anything. And I've never been to Montana and I love mountains. Okay. I just want to recap there for all the people out there that are thinking they don't have time to meditate just really home in on it you know it may be a little different than what you think endurance athlete what are you doing now i'm i'm recovering that was another p- false persona that had a fall by the wayside i mean i loved it i started marathoning right new york city marathon all that stuff and then i was getting too many injuries so i thought oh i'll spread it out over three sports instead of one that's genius i'm sure you can relate and then i was down to master swimming and i wasn't a swimmer and i hired a former olympians and world class athletes that swam in the lane next to me and learned how to what they were doing and threw kettlebells and still went to hot yoga every day and Yeah. And so within four years, I had that beautiful national ranking. And then shortly thereafter, I couldn't walk around my block. Oh, 
bugger. And so again, you know, it's an opportunity to, to see what's not working. I was doing it for a false sense of self-worth and esteem and value. And so um, I've had to reprocess and reprogram and it comes from within now. And now I, I'm happy that I can hike. I can walk. I don't want to run. <laughs> I, I bike <laughs> and I do, I do what feels good. I do some Agreed. kind of movement every day, just because I'm like you and I can't even imagine not. It's just well, part of not only, I don't know what kind of human I would be if I didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I'm sitting here going, I wonder if she can see my kettlebells in the background. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's good. Now, I, you do coach people still, right? Besides being an author. Yeah, I do. I do coach if people feel really a need to be helped. I encourage everybody to read the book. It's got a workbook in the appendix. People have been changed just by reading the story. I had a friend in Montana new, like text me at 8.30 in the morning. She's like, I have to come see you. She knocked on my door at 10 and she had done, she had read a chapter and did one of the corresponding exercises mm -hmm. and meditated. Ooh. And things just came like right down her spine and things clicked into, into place and she had a transformation. So yeah, but people, so it's not people, just a, a, your background. There are things and techniques and tools for them to apply their life and do in the book. Yeah. In the book. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I thought it was a throwaway. I thought, Oh, everybody knows this. And my publisher's like, no, <laughs> expand it, please. <laughs> That's your platform, but it's really, it's really my privilege to, to pass that along mm. and share it. You know, I can so relate to what you're saying. You're thinking, why am I writing about this? Everybody must know this. You know, this seems so like just innate, basic, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's crazy. Okay. So I don't, I'm trying to think, I can't remember this, but somewhere along the line, I, and maybe it wasn't you, and I'm, I'm just making this all up, but did you at some point see, have some kind of therapy or coaching session or mentor session besides your friends that gave you the courage to leave your husband was um, a point because I remember reading something and I could be crazy. I did a program out of Australia. Uh, it's called NARC narcissistic abuse recovery program. And that's where I learned about the importance of no contact when you're working with okay. a narcissist or one you perceive to be a narcissist. And then that somatic work is what really shifted me because I had decades of talk therapy, which was important to get the storyline down okay. and the understanding, the black and white understanding. But for me, my shift came when I started to work with my body, in my body and at a cellular level. That's when the shifts happened. How did you find the course in Australia? I knew I saw that somewhere. How did you find so that? Same way you find everything. It just pops in, right? It's not even the AI. It's like, I it's don't know. It's not even the AI. 
Oh my God. All right. So I know they're going to want you to have a little bit more detail on this. We have to back up when you say talk therapy, tell them what you mean about talk therapy. Cause I do know what you mean, but give them a little bit. Sure. Back sure. So traditional therapy going, you know, into an office or on a zoom session and you're talking, you're coming from your head about your experiences. It may translate from your heart, but a lot of it is talk. Okay. remembering memories. But for me, what I discovered is it led me full circle to where I started. I had more information. I gotcha. I had some tools, but what I didn't have was a visceral shift. So I was hanging on to the same modalities, the same broken systems and tools I really had to transform and the body stuff is what worked for me it's so true okay so now we can move forward I'm glad I wasn't wackadoo on that one what kind of coaching do you do right now because you mentioned like is it something that you only do a few are you willing to take on more is it do you do them virtually in person Yeah, I do. I do virtual coaching and I'm very specific because I don't want anybody hanging on any longer than they have to. I'm a nasty mama bird. I like kick out the baby sometimes before they they even feel ready, but people are drawn to me there. It's referral and they're drawn to me for a specific reason and purpose. And it's absolutely magical. And I can sit and the intuition comes, the the skill set as a super empath comes. And I I hold nothing back. It's not for the faint of heart. You're going to face your stuff with me. I'm kind of tough. (laughs) Which is why they hired you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm privileged to say it, it has had impact and effect and quite rapidly. So I'm happy about that. So I'm sure each of your clients then, because you don't know what it's going to be until you are with them. It's all different. How long they stay, how many sessions and what they need. Yeah. Which is part of the fun, right? I'm so happy. Yeah. Because, and I get it. I have a lot of colleagues, they have these set programs, right? And, and, and they're wonderful. But I was talking to this woman from another country and she's like, well, Sandy, you don't have this specific plan up that I can put on my website. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Like, I wouldn't, I mean, I can like, wait a minute, I'll go ask the AI pot. What's a six week course, but it's only going to be an outline for you to put up there because I don't know. Sandy, you, you are so from your heart. You are so authentic. Please. I I beg you don't go that route. If I get Uh, another email in my inbox about somebody who wants me to come to their free webinar to take on this $7,000 workshop for only $2,000, I'm going to spit up. It's a digital cacophony. So people that come to me are drawn for purpose and it's a privilege and it's not just me leading, there's there's their team, there's my team, and we move through it. And there's no duct tape and sticky glue for me to have them hang on to my right. apron strings. I'm like, 
get to it. You've got life to live. And then you have to carry this to others. We need you. Oh my God. (laughs) I love fluff. I love the the rat poison thing. And then I I haven't heard the mama bird in a while. So that's really cool. Spread it around. Uh, Oh my goodness. All right. So. What are you up to now? Like, what, what are you going to do over the summer? I'm finding joy. I'm sitting in the moment and I am not a slave to my computer, my schedule. It's I'm in such a free place because I trust my soul now. And it's just, it's like, well, I am living in a new zip code. I did move from Southern California to rural Montana. I am, this is a, photo out my side window. If I could shoot into the windows without much backlight, I'd show you, I am in a bowl of beauty. I have the Swiss Alps in my backyard. It's the Canadian Rockies. Down the side of my house looks like the Nepali coast in Hawaii and out front, it looks like Tuscany. And I, it works on me. This is Sedona before it got all commercialized and um, trashed. Um, so so how close here, is your neighbor? Like, do you have to like take a hike? I, no, I have, well, you have to have four acres to build where I am and I'm on a flat prairie. So I do have a neighbor next door, but I don't have a lot of neighbors, but there'll be more because people are flocking here. Yeah. They, oh, they know they what's are. happening. Yeah. So you have to have a four acre lot to build. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a close neighbor then. Well, I can see some neighbors. Not many, but I, I can see something. I'm, yeah, I didn't want a lot of land because I don't want to take care of it. But most people in Montana, they're here for land. They want land. I didn't think I was going to live on the prairie, but it's an exquisite place to live. I thought I was going to, you come to Montana, you live in the forest. Thank God I didn't go there. Oh my God. <laughs> I love land. I love land. I You should see every square foot has got a garden, either veggies or flowers. So mm. I would love. All right. So I just because of my own curiosity, how far do you have to travel to go to like the store to get your groceries and all that, which has nothing to do with this podcast, but I just need to know. Yeah. So big box stores, it's an hour 15. Big box stores. But there there is a local grocer who I love, Montana Market. And then there's a chain grocer in the town. And that's what we go to with like. We need to go to a 7-Eleven or a Wawa. Yeah, I'm I'm sold out of luck there. <laughs> okay. I love the Wawa. I haven't thought about Wawa since Jersey Shore days. Love the Wawa. Gotta have a Wawa. I don't even go to Wawa. All right. So this has been delightful. I really love you being on. I think it's a lot of different things that my peeps have been asking for and talking about. And you said it in a very different, unique way that I would have. So I appreciate that. But before we go, they 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 need to know your rapid fire thing. So here we go, Susan. Oh, wait, do I have a buzzer that I get to ring in on? Is this like a real rapid fire? You know you- what? I wish I did, but no, you know. I don't have a buzzer during it. It's just like fun questions about you. All right. Okay. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite food? 
pizza. Do you watch television? Heck no. Do you have a television? I do, but I don't use it as a television. Coming from a television producer formally. Do you watch the news? Heck no. Not even alternative if I can help it. Oh my. Do you read books or do you put them on a tablet? I do both. And right now I'm reading quiet marketing and I love it. What's that about? I don't know what that is. Another Australian, another Australian. She couldn't handle this craziness of the marketing, right? Like I was talking about the digital cacophony. So she's wrote a book. She wrote a book about how to market the way you want to, not the way we're being led with all these seven emails a week and 17 offers and 17 follow-up emails. Yeah. Doing what you love. And and I'm marketing through podcasts because I like to talk to people, especially when I get a host like you. Wow. I'm writing that book down. Quiet. My my close friend just moved to Australia. It's a big time difference. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, Trying to figure things out. All right. So what do you do in your free time? You kind of already told us what you do in your free time, but what else do you do? I live. I didn't even understand what that meant. I live now. I was so rigid and so controlled and disciplined. And now if I feel like eating a slice of toast at 1130, I let myself have a slice of toast at 1130 and I live. (laughs) Wait, I can just hear her. So Libby, she's finally had a slice of toast. (laughs) You know where we come from, Sandy. Don't eat after 8 p.m. Okay. (laughs) All right. That being said, with the quiet marketing, where can they find you? Purchase your book. Are you on social media? I am on social media, but I hate it. Just go to susangold.us. It's all there and the book's on Amazon. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Wait, did you say susangold.us? Just want to make sure. I did, yeah. All right. My let's keep it real people. SG kept it real. You know what I'm going to say. We would appreciate you liking it, rating it, and sharing it for those who you think it'll really help. And until next time, thank you, Susan, and toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.